0: Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Women in Confidence, the podcast that celebrates the journeys of remarkable women who are transforming their lives and the lives of others and empowering others to do the same. So I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest. It's Sherry Fernandez, who is, I can see at the moment, is really smiling at me. She's an author, a motivational speaker, and she's inspired thousands of people with her incredible story of personal growth and limitless potential. So just before I bring Sherry on, I just want to say that her book is about is called sorry, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Towards an Infinite Potential. So that's going to be really the topic of the conversation today, wrapped up in this whole ball of confidence. So Sherry, hello and welcome to the show and thanks very much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Vanessa. It's a pleasure to be here and visit with you again. It's been already delightful.
0: (laughs) Just before I press record, Sherry and I were just chatting like, no, 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 we really probably need to get on with recording. (laughs) She's just such a wonderful person and I know we're going to have lots to talk about today. So I have a lot of questions. I don't have them written down because that's how my brain operates. But I've got lots and lots of questions for you, Sherry. But my first question, and I'm going to be really disciplined on this one, is what does having confidence mean to you?
1: Um, I haven't, you know, there's a lot of talk about young women in confidence. And I should have confidence. We should have confidence. You can't, you can't will yourself to have confidence. You really have to earn it. Confidence to me means being, knowing who you are because you're honest, because you take care of, you have ma- self-mastery, right? It's just, it's who you are, who you're becoming. Not just honest, I mean, this just one thing, but you've got self-control over your appetites. You're, you're faithful to your relationships. You're confident because you know who you are because you're doing, working hard to be the best you can be. And that's what gives you confidence. It's not something you can just will yourself to have. I don't believe you have to earn it.
0: And knowing yourself um, gives you confidence, I guess. How well do you think you know yourself?
1: I think probably pretty well because... <laughs> I think pretty well. I mean, nobody really knows themselves, right? But I'm a thinker and I spend a lot of time. I've always been that way since I was a child. And um, i like to think about how the world works and what how, how, my part in it. Sometimes I think, who in the heck are you? I look at and I think, who are you? But I think overall, I think I know myself above average. None of us really knows ourselves. It's probably just as well. But I think it's, it's above average, I'd say, that I do know myself. And then I'm I'm 67 years old. So, you know, you do, you have a lot of time. That's a lot of years to get to know who you are. And, and, and then you, you have a reflection from your relationships, right? If you have a lot of people in my world, and, and that reflects back to me that who I think I am is apparently who I am. And sometimes that's how I learn who I am, by the things that people say to you. If you hear something several times, you've got to assume that probably it's true.
0: Well, somebody said about you that... You've thought, oh, I didn't realize that was part of me and that's not Sherry. Have you ever had that play back to you and you're like really questioned how you I just from? It just
1: occurred to me. I just had thought, this is, this is back when I was, this is a long time ago. I was, I was pregnant with my sixth child. I felt big as a house. And I was involved in a personal development uh, program. I was on the staff there. And so I've been at this for a long time. But I didn't feel very, very confident. I just felt like this dumpy, you know, just you know, it's just not great. But I had maybe three, four, five times in this week segment where different people would say, "You have so much of almost these exact same words." I admire your personal power. I'm like, I've got personal power, but I thought about it, and I've had enough feedback over there. Some, in fact, I had this guy. He was just this tough, tattooed uh, airman that was training for me in my training business. This is a lot of years later, and he said. And he's this just tough-looking black guy. And he's just tough, Jabari, just loving to death. I hope he's listening. Anyway, he said, sure, I got a confession. Make like, you scare me to death. <laughs> I said, now oh, you got to be kidding. I'm 5'4", and I'm a grandmother. <laughs> I scared this guy. But I get that kind of feedback. So um, those are the kind of things. And you think, then you've got to say, okay, I've got to realize that I'm a little bit intimidating and smile more <laughs> or something. Yeah, I can't be scaring people to death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> But now you know that you have this personal power. How do you use it for good and not to intimidate and scare?
1: That's that has been that has been a thing. You know, I really don't want to just I don't want to use it to intimidate. It's in my mission statement that I use my personal power to serve, to help other people find their own way. You know, that's I won't give you the whole story of that, but um, I, I recognize it as a gift. I use my knowledge, my wisdom and my personal power to help other people in their personal progression. And um, so I I just keep it in check. I just remember to put a smile on my face. Remember that to be approachable. And it's new ways to
0: grow. Mm.
1: Smiling helps a ton.
0: Smiling. Smiling is such a it's just an open door, isn't it, for people? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I was just, I was just talking to somebody actually earlier and she was talking about being on social media and she just did some like recordings for herself. And she realized she just had a, the, I think she called it like the the meme the resting bitch face. And she was like, <laughs> she just said, I have to smile more. It's such a, it's such a welcoming gesture that, you know, people just respond to no matter what language you speak. So yeah, smile more. And it helps with confidence as well absolutely yeah it's your own confidence i tell you a
1: story about that is um, one of the things they teach are written affirmations so there's a lot of talk about affirmations but you write them every day the same ones ones you're working on the is one of the two main tools that i teach that is so powerful and uh, so i had put one that i smile at everybody and i had not really thought about it much we're getting ready for a trip this is probably about 10 years ago maybe a little more and we were i remember we were in the denver airport and I said to Ken, well, I'd only had on my, on my affirmations about a week or so. So I really hadn't put much thought into it yet. I just was writing it. I said, is there something on my face or something? Because people keep looking at me, sort of smiling. And they said, no, you're fine. I said, are you sure? And then later I realized I was smiling at people and they were just smiling back at me. You know, so anyway, that's the power of affirmations. I was still on my affirmations to this day. I still keep it because I don't want to lose it. I want to, I want to be a
0: smiler. So talking about affirmations then, you've nicely led me into that topic. Do you have the the same ones or do you update them uh well
1: update once in a while i think with the thing with the affirmations they are powerful but there's a lot of foolishness uh kind of floating around especially on social media about how to make them powerful to stand in the mirror and say somebody else's affirmations that you wrote off a lip wrote off from a list or something that isn't really very useful you want to put things that you really want but they're not trackable like, if I want to smile at everybody, i am going to track that, you know. I can't put on my tracking sheet and say, did I smile today? Well, I kind of smiles, you know. So if, you know, things that you want to change in your life that are not trackable, traceable, you know, that you can record and measure. It's a super good way. So, but written daily, writing them, it makes them a hundred times more powerful than saying them. They should be yours. You should say them as if they're already so. I smile at everyone. I like that. And so I'll do one for some I'll keep for a very long time. I've had this one for a very long time because I, I find I backslide if I don't do it. Um, and so you review them I and mean, sometimes I reward them. I keep the same one, but I reward them and essentially a person's working on the things that they're weak in, right? And so you're probably going to keep some of them for a long time. And then some is others, I just want to work on it for a while right now. I'm working a lot on for my purse personally. I work with my clients, of course on more, Awareness of my thoughts, being more aware of my thoughts. So I've got several that are about being aware of my thoughts. I do one thing at a time. Keep my conversations positive, things like that. And I usually advise people, don't get too carried away. Eight to 12, 12 tops. Your brain's not going to really... It, it, goes, it, it works both subconsciously and consciously, too. That's what makes them powerful. You can... Um, sometimes miracles will happen. I've had some miracles happen, like something I didn't know how to make happen, and I put it in my affirmations. And just like some miracle happened, so that can happen not all the time. But doing them every day the same, because you're not going to change. It takes a long time to change, but they'll go. They'll seep into your subconscious and even your non-conscious brain if you keep keep at it, and it'll make a difference. Like my smiling thing, it had gone into my subconscious. I wasn't consciously doing, but it's crept into my subconscious, and I was doing that. And that's why they work. And then it reminds you too to do those things as well. You're writing down it like, oh yeah, I got to do that.
0: So you said, make sure the affirmations are yours, your own, but I guess yes. if you're, if people are listening, they're like, I don't even know what that means and how to do that. Like I, I can go, you know, it's easy. I can go on uh, YouTube and I can get somebody to you know, tell me what my affirmations are. How would you recommend people start with, how do they know, how do they discover what their affirmation should be? As,
1: as, do you, how do you want to be different? What is, what, is uh, what, what would you like to be different? How would you like to be different? And then do language that moves you. So words are really powerful, but they're powerful inside of us. Somebody else's words are not going to be powerful to me. So I need to word it in a way that works for me. But I really do want to be aware of my thoughts. It's important to me. I want to be conscious of what I'm thinking about more. Nobody's going to ever be conscious all the time. but I want to be more really important because I can't change the way I'm responding if I don't see how I'm thinking, right? That's important to me. So that makes my affirmations. It may not be important to somebody else. I want to be a better listener. I want to listen to the end. This is a problem I have. I don't want to be somebody that cuts people off. So I have and have had for a long time. I listen to the end. It's important to me. It's not my be important to somebody. I say, you could borrow somebody else's. You say, I want that too. And I think a lot of my clients will see something I'm writing and they'll say, oh, can I borrow that? Of course they can. But you want to make sure and then you you change up the language a little bit so that it continues to be fresh and powerful. Mm. Uh, But it's got to mean something to you. You When you write it, you want to say, yeah, I want that. It only takes about, a, once you establish, it only takes about a minute to write them, uh, maybe two at the most. But you want to write them and say, yeah, I want that and feel like that. I want that. And so then you write it and it renews your enthusiasm for being that person.
0: You mentioned having some miracles happen through doing affirmations. Can you give me an example of one that's like, wow, that was amazing?
1: Well, there's a smiling one. was kind of one. But yeah, I've got a really good one. Um. So I, I did raise a lot of these kids and I did not finish college. And I, I didn't, I don't care about that so much. I wanted a degree, but I did, did feel like I wanted to be better educated. I, I collect books and I read a ton, but it's slow. <laughs> I thought, I need to find a way to educate myself faster. You know, I mean, I wanted deeper instead of me just picking the books too. So I have something, somebody teaching me something, I don't know, something like that. Anyway, so I wrote my affirmations. I am self-educated. I didn't know how it was going to happen because I say it's reading's great, but it's low. So I'd been doing it for maybe a month or two. I didn't tell anybody. That. I didn't tell it. I did not even tell my husband that I was doing this. And a, a good friend of ours that we saw frequently that we play cards with all the time, he said, him and his wife, he brought this catalog over. He said, sure, I got this in the mail. And I just thought maybe you would like it. It was, a, I'd never heard of the great courses before. And it was a catalog on the great courses. And there's courses on history and English and literature and math and you name it. And these are the top professors in the world that are teaching these and that they're even being auditioned. And then you can buy these courses. And then I could listen to them in the car as I drove my kids around and did stuff. Anyway, I started buying those courses and changed, rocked my world. I was getting the education that I wanted really fast. But I didn't even know this thing existed. That there was This is probably... This would have been... Well, before you could do it on your phone. So these you had to get CDs. So this was probably... I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, probably 15 years ago. Yeah, at least at least 15, maybe closer to 20 years ago. Uh, anyway, it, I was able to get the equivalent of college,
0: hmm.
1: exceptional college courses in my car.
0: So let's talk about your book, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Towards an Infinite Potential. And I've got a couple of questions about it. and And really to help me understand it, but also to clarify to the listeners. First of all, what is life mastery?
1: Like mastery is being—you're never going to arrive. We're never going to know of We're never going to arrive, but that you can to a certain place. Like we're never going to be as smart as we could be, for example, like in education, or there's always going to be room to improve in our finances or in our in our fitness or whatever it is. We're always a work in progress, not being at the whim of our appetites or the whim of the world. To know that I'm in charge of me, you know, I've got control of these things. I'm not there, but I have control. I I have control of my appetite, for example, or I have control of how I use my time. Uh, every once in a while, somebody, when I meet with them, they want to do some mentoring and they'll say, well, one of the things I want to work on is time management. And I'm like, there's no such thing. You manage yourself. That's life mastery. You manage your appetite. You manage your your daily schedule. You manage, and you do that, of course, with habits. You measure your own success. You decide where you're going, who you are, who you want to be. That's life mastery.
0: And what's then your response when people say, but I don't have control in my life. Um, you know, I have to be in the office at nine. I have to be there till five. I've got to pick up my kids. I've got, you know, all the stuff. I have no control. How on earth can I then achieve mastery?
1: you come back? I have <got> no tolerance. <laughs> tolerance for it, really. I, I usually will. And Nicole, we have those. Even when I have my fitness business, we have a lot. I don't have time to work out. I'm like, if anybody can do it, you can do it, right? It's because you're, We feel important when we're going around putting out fires and taking, you know, taking whether it's being with the kids or at the office of emails and we're at everybody's beck and call. It makes us feel important and we don't have to master our own time. But we can train the people around us, plan our own time and find the time. I had when I was doing the fitness business, I had I remember I had a couple at one time uh, people that were in the nursing program, very intense nursing program in Boise here, and they worked and they never missed a workout. Now, if you can do that, they can do that. Anybody can do it, right? You know, you just do. You just have to start. You start with maybe some baby steps, coaching, <laughs> mentoring. You might need a mentor or a coach.
0: So, where's you was talking about control and, you know, taking control of your situation to make the time to do whatever it is you want to achieve. So it could be the fitness class. It could be learning another language. It could be whatever. doesn't actually, the goal doesn't matter in this, for this example, does having control over your life require a certain element of confidence?
1: I think it's the other way around. I think it gives you confidence. And it's just, again, it's mastering your, your time. And it, and it comes from the habits, you know, and, and you don't do it overnight. It takes practice. Um, what well, the other skill I teach is tracking. So that means, and I, I think, as I recall, James Clare talks about this a little bit too. I know you're reading him, but. Um, I, I, and these are free on my website, by the way, I always, I have made the free, every website I've had for 15 years. You can get these, but they're tracking sheets and you just write down the, the daily habits that you want. The days of the month go across the top and you check them off as you do them every day. It's like an instant to-do list of the things that I want to do. And so I mean, you want to work out, check. You know, did I did I read check? That was the one you brought up. Was um, I can't remember what you were just saying. One of them that you brought just brought up. Oh, like learning you a language, to, for
0: example. Oh,
1: learning a language, right. right? I want to practice my language every day. Check, um, mm-hmm. and that kills us some accountability. Reminds us what we're going to do. And then if by some we we get off track, we know right where to pick up. So a tracking mm-hmm. sheet is the bomb. If what gets measured gets managed, that's an old Peter Drucker quote. But truly, what gets measured get meant When we measure our what we're doing. I have so often clients will come in and they'll say, well, I don't tell people what to do, right? They pick their own goals, but almost everyone will want to work out. Okay, well, how much are you working out now? Well, I'm working out three or four times a week. Well, then we get them on the tracking sheet and they're tracking it. And they come back a couple weeks later and say, you know, I wasn't really working out. <laughs> I realized I was only working out like two times a week. Um, but it makes us honest with ourselves, tracking it. We have the daily habits and that's what builds the confidence.
0: Well, let's talk about habits because you've uh, again beautifully led me down that um, <laughs> to that conversation.
1: My favorite topic. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, no, I'm, um, and as I said to you before we press record, I'm just finishing, and by the time this goes out, I will have finished James Clear's Atomic Habits. And it's my re- fifth reread now which is, I, I sort of joke and say, have I got into the habit of reading this book of like, atomic habits? <laughs> but a good, good. But I think it's such, a, it's such a powerful book and I can pick it up every single time. And, and it reminds me to be more focused and to track and to realize how easy a habit can be to drop, but also how easy it is to create a habit. And people, you know, be like, oh, I can't, you know, go to the gym three times a week or I can't do that. That's just not who I am. This book is is one. It's a life changing book to me. But you were you are talking about habits way before James Clear on came on the. Screen. I
1: was long before James Clear. I was teaching habits.
0: Yeah, tell me about habits then, and then also, my question is, can you make confidence a habit?
1: I think confidence is going to be a by byproduct, and if you focus on confidence, your problem is your. I don't know if focusing on confidence helps i think focusing on yourself then the confidence just comes and trusting in the process um but yeah daily habits and tracking those daily habits like this is let me for one simple example fitness is just a good example that's why i use this but it works in every area but if i have somebody who is so somebody's they know they're out of shape and they know they need to lose a little weight okay so they want to work on these habits. And by the way, I, people have to work on every area of life with me. I don't just work on fitness, but just everybody wants to be more fit, right? Just about. So we we get them. They decide what they're going to do. They're going to work out like this. Of course, I make sure that's a good program. I don't let them go down some road that's not going to work. And they're going to eat like this. Okay. I know they know that if they do their program, they're going to get, they're going to get there. Yeah. They don't how long, they will take, but they are definitely on the road. Well, once they, they've got this down, I'm working out like this. I'm eating like this. They know it's going to come. And it frees up all of this creative energy. You know, when somebody's overweight or out of shape, or they just is is nagging at them, they think of it hundreds and hundreds of times, subconsciously in a day, put on their seatbelt, or they're getting dressed in the morning, or they're going to lunch. They think about it all the time. Once it's there, they just know it's going to happen. They can quit thinking about it. Use that energy for something else because it's now on the tracking sheet. It's happening. I'm doing it. I'm going to the gym five days a week. I'm not eating that crap. Oh, that's a bad word. <laughs> don't tell my husband. Don't I said, worry about it. You I, can I, say what well you like. I'm trying to keep my language a little bit <laughs> less <laughs> in the gutter. Anyway, that's a good excuse though so, for using the word crap, that kind of food we're eating. Anyway, you know they quit eating that stuff. They know they're going to get there. And then it just happens. They don't have to beat themselves up anymore, worry about a program. They don't have to talk. To Should I go to the gym? Should I go to the trainer? They got it up going. And now they move on. Uh, your your language thing, okay. So you're working with them. You pick the language program. You put on your tracking sheet every day. And usually you plan the time for one half hour. I don't go to bed till it's done. I'm going to work on my language, mm-hmm. and uh, then it's on your tracking sheet. You just make it happen. So what do you know? You know that eventually you'll have that language. Might, who knows how long? But if I do it half hour every single day, I'm going to have that language. It's the same thing with educating yourself in anything. It's the same way with your money. If I do, if I know that if I put this much money in the bank every week for this long, that I will get, I will get to my financial goals. Okay, it's done then. Okay, we're about the habit. It's done. I just do work the present, find this. I've got to do. I can quit
0: thinking about it so much and move on to some other things. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it got. I'm thinking a lot of people give up on you know that learning a language is a really good example. You know, you you can do you know ten minutes on the train on your commute or whatever. But it takes a long time to really master mm-hmm. a language, and it could be anything. It could be, I don't know, jujitsu. It could be. It doesn't matter what the example is, but yeah. it's something. Everything that, takes
1: a long time. That's worthwhile.
0: It takes a long time, mm-hmm. and I, I totally understand the tracking because then it's a, it's a visual. You're like, I am doing this every day, or I'm making this much progress. But something that is difficult it's probably easy to stop as well. Cause like, am I actually making any progress? Am I actually getting any better in this language? Am I actually, is the Pilates that I go to every week? Is it, I don't see any difference. I don't feel any difference, you know, one month down the line. How can people then stick to those habits? I mean, that's a sort of, is it an oxymoron? Cause if you, how do you stick to a habit? Well, a habit you'd stick to, but yeah, I guess how do you keep people on track? And they don't come despondent when they're like, but Sherry, I've been doing this for a month and I'm not seeing any difference.
1: If that's happening, you're doing the wrong thing. Because if a month of anything, you should at least see some progress. So something needs to change. So if they say, I've been doing this. Now, if their expectations are too big, but it would be like this. Somebody said, well, I've been doing working out. Well, if they were doing Pilates, I probably wouldn't tell them not to do Pilates anyway. you do something a little more intense. But then we need a different program. But to know if you've got the right program, it's going to work. This is the beauty of it. So, you know, like New Year's resolutions, everybody's like, oh, people are so weak. They do these New Year's resolutions. And we make fun of New Year's resolutions. I believe that most people are sincere when they talk about them in any kind of serious way. They do want that. But what happens is they get their new running shoes and they get their new outfit and they get the new gym membership and they go for a few weeks and then the kids get sick. Or I had to go to work early or I got sick or whatever happens, something happens and interrupts the flow. And then they're off track. And then some days go by and some more days go by and they okay, almost work. And then it's like, there's your gym shoes in the closet. Like, oh yeah, I was going to be working out. What? Three weeks have gone by. When you have a tracking sheet is part of your daily, your daily planning. <laughs> is that tracking sheet? Every day you've got this tracking sheet. When the kids are better, not that you should take time off because the kids are sick. You shouldn't. I mean, just stick to it. This should be your, I shouldn't say should, Should's a bad word. The, the tracking is your anchor. The daily habits are your anchor. When things go wrong, to hold on to those daily habits, those will get you through. We have a tendency to let them go because things are hectic. But the reality is holding the daily habits will get you through. That's a reality. But even still, you're still sometimes going to get off track, but you know right where to pick up. Okay, I had COVID. I was sick in the dog couldn't even open my eyes for three days. All right. But I knew why I started start feeling better. Here's my list. Here's my tracking sheet. I know right where to pick up. Three weeks didn't go by before I remembered I'm going to be working out. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that's one of the beauties of a tracking sheet is it keeps you back on when you do get off.
0: Mm. I guess as well with a tracking sheet, you can share it. You can be like, here's my tracking sheet. Hold me accountable to that. Absolutely. Yeah. I tell the
1: story in the book, but I, well, my very, very first one, I was 20 in my early 20s. Very, very undisciplined my whole life. There, now this is the hallmark of my personality is my discipline. Because people are surprised how undisciplined I was. I was terribly undisciplined and I wanted some habits. I wanted to change my life. I'd been in the, I'd been drinking and partying and I'd partied away all those years. And now I was getting serious about life and I wanted some it. So what I did is I put them, I made my first tracking sheet. I got the idea from, I don't know anybody else that taught this at that time. Nobody taught it that. I'd seen me teach it for decades till later. Um, I just made a little one and I put it up on my kitchen cabinet so that everybody that came into the house could see that I'm working on those things. And uh, we had quite a few people through our house in those days, younger siblings and different things. And so I would have been mortified to be missing a check, right? And I used that, my pride and my ego and my friends and family to hold me. I didn't tell them. I just thought I'd put it up there. So, yeah, sharing it's a really good way. And then, you know, Ken does it too. So we're, we both do this. And so at the end of the day, we're really supportive of each other. Did you get all your things done? Yeah, I did. So I track this month. I'm tracking 17 things, Vanessa, for this month. So we're, we have quite a few things that we track. A lot are little. Um, and then we just check in with each other. Oh no, I still have to do this thing. Or did you get all your, we're doing each you doing a hundred pushups a day. Did you get all your pushups in? Oh man, I still got 20 more to go. Right. So we can support each other. So that helps too. Mm. If you have a friend or somebody that, that you're doing it with.
0: So tracking really important, but how important is the getting clarity on the goal as well? Because, you know, I could say I want to get fit and I go and do all the stuff but it doesn't actually make a difference. How, if I got clarity on my goal, would that help?
1: Well, you want to make sure it's something that you want, and you do want to be fit. Of course, nobody wants to say, oh, I don't really want to be fit. You do want that. Mm. (laughs) Everybody should want that. Well, there's that should word again, but yeah, we all really want that. It's just, are we committed enough? I had a client some years ago, who beautiful, talented young woman. She'd been at, played the piano uh, all through her, all through into, into her early adult years, and she had children and Kind of got away from it. So one thing she wanted to do, as she said, was to practice the piano every day so she could get back to her previous skills. And so week after week, she hadn't done it. And finally, I said, do you think you really want to practice the piano? She said, no, I don't really. I think she will. Well, she probably did for years ago. But I thought in the future, she probably will. Want, but wasn't what she wanted really right now. Some things should be non-negotiable, though. Everybody needs to do something for their body, something for their spirit, and something for their mind every day. We all just need that. Everybody needs that. We just have to. If you want to live a healthy, productive life, you just got to work on you and mind, body, soul every day needs some attention mm. and for a well rounded life. Then something like playing the piano.
0: So, what are you doing that right now be- then for your mind, body, and soul? i got 17 things I'm tracking.
1: Give <laughs> so, um, me one more. I meditate, of course, is important. Um, I don't track prayer. I, prayer comes out of me just like it flows out of me. So I'm just a prayer. I always have been. I read something devotional, like scriptures of some kind. And then I also have some memorized things. A lot of it's scripture. A lot of it are just poems and things. So I go through so many of those every day in my memorization um i work out every day i do actually two workouts a day but but a walk counts or um um well i run why don't we run i I hate running i run a little bit not much i walk or ride my bike or i work out and i've got we've got a home gym a kayaking but two twice a week or twice a day i do two 45 minute activities which i love them so it's fine and um let's see soul that's body and Mine and I read, I'm on a I'm on schedule to read a hundred books or listen to a hundred books this year. So I've got to get to get to forty by the end of June. I need four more by the end of June to make fifty. So I'll be I'll be right on track. So those are some I always have one audible and I have at least one I'm reading. If I've got if it's fiction, I'll usually have two that I'm reading. I record the notes from my books. That's another one of my daily habits. Then a little one, like I walk around my borders of my house with the flower gardens and pull just pulling little weeds that come up. That way they never get ahead of me, right? If I just do my my yard walk it takes me about two minutes. So I do that. Things like this. Write my affirmations. You know, that's mm. on my tracking sheet to write my affirmations.
0: And reading, what book have you read that has changed your life and it's like has taken you down a track that has just been incredible. <laughs> um
1: just one One recent, one a few years ago, changed my life. It was called the um, The Great Pain Deception, and uh, opened my eyes. And that's that got me a lot more serious about meditation because I realized I used meditation. Well, it's hard. It's a complicated story. And the book is not, to be honest, is not fabulous in its ability written. It's got way too much information. But it changed my life because of what it needed. What I needed at the time. That I would recommend it. Recently, I read uh, Live Young, Love Younger. It's the same things I, by Mark Hyman. Anyway, it's really good, but it's things that I taught at the gym, but I've been away for five years. It was nice to go in and reaffirm that things I taught there were true, and then also to brush up my own game. So that's been really good. Just read one called Why We Sleep, Um, Matthew Walker, really good.
0: I've heard a lot recently about really devoting a lot of attention to sleep and how you should prioritize it. Is that something that you do now, having read the book, but also just generally for your mind, body and spirit?
1: Sleeping is already something I make a pretty sure. <laughs> I'm a sleeper, and, I'm, and, and because I do two workouts a day, I get really tired. Um, so, sl- prioritizing sleep is easy for me, and I'm a good sleeper. But I did learn some things that I think uh, actually, there are some scary things too about not sleep, some scary things about sleeping aids. He said that eight, as little as 18 sleeping pills in a year uh, increase your mortality rate. And it was, He gave the statistics of how much it increases your mortality rate, meaning your chance of death. So there's some really interesting things. And if you have teenagers, who have really some great things on sleep in teenagers and also caffeine in teenagers. that's very well studied. I don't think it's probably anybody in the world right now that's got more knowledge about sleep than Matthew Walker. So I'd recommend mm-hmm. his book. That's I think just for general knowledge. And some mm-hmm. of my kids, I think, are not really good sleepers for some reason. Ken and I are great sleepers. So I'm giving them that book, <laughs> hoping it helps.
0: I once did, I did a job many, many years ago and I had very disrupted sleep patterns, a shift working type of approach, but just slightly different. And I was getting sort of less than four hours a night quality sleep. And I generally thought I was losing my mind. And it's just a really dangerous place to be, mm-hmm. you know, when you're operating machinery or in charge of, you know, people. It's incredibly dangerous if you're sleep deprived over long periods of time. And I'm, I'm sort of amazed back then i was in my 20s so i had my youth on my side that i was able to function at all on just you know three to four hours sleep a night it's so critical to to, to so critical. your mind body and spirit it's
1: probably worse than you even thought it was then because you read his book you're just like oh my gosh he's talked about just just the one hour daylight savings time hour that we lose that hour he said that heart attacks and at traffic accidents go up they gave the statistics, I can't remember, but it was a lot. They jump up a lot just by losing that one hour of sleep. Isn't that crazy? Um, anyway, he's got great things to say. It's very. It's a lot of stuff in there, but that yeah. would be a good book for people to. I'd recommend. I'm not even getting a kickback or anything. <laughs> I don't even know Matthew Walker.
0: <laughs> he's like your but. neighbor or <laughs> something. <laughs> no, I'll put all those I'll put those details in the show notes so people could go and listen well listen um Sherry you've mentioned a couple of times you mentioned a fitness business you said that you, you had probably quite a hedonistic lifestyle when you were younger talk me through how you became an author and a mo- motivational speaker
1: oh well I became a motivational speaker before it was trendy <laughs> before 25 years be sure. <laughs> um so I kind of, uh, upheaval, upheaval as a child. And I don't know what happened somewhere in there. I was just, well, I've told, we told you about being alone a lot. Um, I did a lot of just being alone and walking, talking in my little town that I lived in. My parents got divorced in 1963. It was very not cool in this little town, but I, um, I somehow in there decided that I was somebody special. I was somebody important. I was going to do great things, but I didn't know what that looked like. All I knew is I saw in the movies. I went to the movies a lot by myself. So, you fast forward to, well, that feeling stayed with me, and, and my, my teenagers were more stable, but I just graduated at 17, and then I went I went AWOL fast. When I was 20, I had a child, and by the time I got married at 22 and decided to get married and pull my life together, I had a pretty good drinking problem. I had a couple of blackouts, and uh, I didn't drink every day, but I would drink way too much when I drank. So, uh, that's kind of the mess that I was in. I partied away my. My, all my education years, I'd been a debater in high school, so I was really smart, you know, and I was really, I had a lot of ability, but I just kind of blew it, wasted it. And I actually had a scholarship for my debating, but I blew that. <laughs> I blew everything. And then I decided I wanted something different, both for my child and for myself. And I wanted things in life. But now, we're, my husband in the same. we had been in this hippie world too, so we had nothing. And, and he felt, I think, the same. We seemed to just sort of do it uh, naturally together. But I wanted things and I wanted to have I wanted to have we had another baby fairly quickly after we got married and I wanted to be able to have a really sexy body and have children I wanted to make up for the education that I lost not formal necessarily but I, I'm smart I wanted to use my brain I wanted to know things and I wanted to be, have a spiritual life and I wanted to I didn't want to live we left we left, were so poor we should believe it people talk about being young married people that are poor not like us we were so poor we worked he worked two jobs I did take care and we still hardly beat ourselves. It was that bad because we were so lacking in any kind of skills. But I figured if anybody could be successful, I could. And I went to work on myself. Ken went to work on himself. And we still had to work and pay the bills and raise the kids. And we had more kids and more kids. But we we dug our way out of that a little at a time by the, the skills we were learning and the habits we were developing. A lot of it was the habits. And little by little, we had a goal. Ken had a goal since he was a teenager. And now we both had a goal to be a millionaire by the time, worth a million dollars by the time we were 40. That was when a million dollars was worth something. <laughs> we were 40 in a 1995. Yeah, 95. So, anyway, we achieved that goal. And when people watched the way that our lives changed, I was beginning to be asked to teach. And this is not quick, this was over a lot of years. But people that knew us for a long time, they'd ask me, could I teach on this? Could I teach on this? Could I teach on this? Because I became an expert more or less, I guess, in a lot of different areas that people were interested in fitness, spiritual things, a lot of different things, uh, motivation. And so I was asked to teach, speak, and I got more and more opportunities. And then I opened my fitness business because I wanted to be able to teach. Fitness is a good jumping off for personal development. So I wanted to teach the things I knew about fitness and health and food that wasn't all this nonsense and diets and all the stuff that goes on. I knew better because I'd had my own issues with it. And I wanted to be able to teach that. And I wanted to teach some other things, personal development. That does not, but that fitness is a tough business and it's hard to pay the bill. So I started doing one-on-one mentoring and coaching. And so I did that. And I've been doing that for quite a while. I've been doing that for 10, 11, 12 years, probably. I've been doing that uh, probably about 11 or 12 years. And then before we knew it was going to be COVID, somebody i've been told a lot of times i should write a book and i'd be like i'm not a writer i'm just not i'm like well no i'm a speaker if i can't say it i can't do it but then uh, i was asked again to do that I said you should do it somebody i respected. i told kim that and he said really you should and it was kind of at a point where i thought i'm going to die with all this stuff in my head i should put it out on paper anyway so i wrote the book and just figured it was, it was meant to be a B, and i guess it was meant to be because it's done very well and i wrote it actually quite quickly because i just wrote what i knew and I didn't write anything I didn't know to be true. And the book was born. And people say, what's a the sequel? There's no sequel. This is it. <laughs> oh, God. Everything, I, I made sure everything I know is in that book. So uh, I don't plan to write another book at this point anyway. Um, I did not write it for a career. Many books like this, James Clare would be a good example. They write the book in part to mean to get a speaking career or get into big companies and to develop a company of some sort. I didn't do that. Mm. I'm already. I don't need. I don't need the money. I don't want to develop a career. I've got. A, I've got my hands full. I did it because I wanted to make a difference, and I think that's one of the differences with life mastery. I did no other agenda than to just put on paper what I knew worked. What it worked for me. What I thought I could do with my clients. I knew the things I taught were true. I knew they were true because I'd lived it, and I want other people to live it. And I knew it was true. So I didn't have to, I didn't rely on a researcher or any of that because I was my own researcher.
0: You know, the saying, there's a book in everybody. I don't know whether that's actually a saying, but people say, talk about everybody could write a book. But they don't because it's not from lack of ideas, I don't think, and lack of experience because everybody's got a story. And this podcast is a good example of how everybody has got a story which they can share. But writing a book to me and probably to many, many people, seems like a lot of hard work but I guess if you have the systems in place anybody could actually write a book and mm. using what you said around your habits and tracking now tell me Sherry did you apply your own techniques of tracking and habits to write your book? Yeah I, I did confess- to some degree.
1: we travel a ton and I know I wouldn't write when I would travel and so I set up a schedule for how many days a week and what times of the day that I would Right. if we were in town and if my children or grandchildren need because I wasn't terribly terribly driven but it, you know what Vanessa you cannot believe how fast I wrote that book I was like and it's good I didn't think I was a writer and it's I had a we have a local publisher here and she didn't publish my book but I went to lunch with her once and she said Sherry it was the best nonfiction book I've ever read for a first time writer uh, and I think partly because I knew it and partly because it was inspired but anyway it came out really fast so it didn't take an awful lot took me about six months to write it and I traveled many weeks during that time I didn't ever write when I traveled so Mm. it just I didn't really need to do that that much but yeah there was definitely times that I also did a couple of retreats to make sure that I could spend some time alone which I'm a big believer in so if you could go
0: back and rewrite the book is there anything you would add to it
1: you know weird thing about publishing in these days if you have something you want to add to it you just get somebody to change the file for you and you just add it and so yes The original copies of the book are a little bit different. In fact, I just changed the cover. We had some communication today with Amazon because I ordered some. The cover didn't change. But we just stopped. Because I I have, I'm going to show you this. The old cover looks like this. And you see my hair is very dark. Mm. This is not a very old book. I mean, I wrote this in, like, this was, that picture was taken in 2019. But then I let my hair go gray. And I hate it when people have picture when they look younger in their pictures you know they use some old pictures I don't like that so I want to update the picture so anyway yeah if you that's what I just if I want to change it I just change it. I send a little note to the publisher she would you just change this so
0: what um where, where are you exploring now what's got you curious what are you learning what's what are you building a sort of slightly different sherry for 2023 going into 2024
1: The the last year, last year and this year is a lot of the mindfulness things. The more I get into it, I think this is like the new new place for explorations is what our mind can do. I'm just fascinated. I I heard a lecture by Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's great. That'd be a great read, uh, cleaning up your mental mess. Um, Anyway, it it went to a leadership conference in Florida, and she was one of the speakers. I didn't even know who she was. Fabulous, but it's put me on this course. I uh, already was fascinated with meditation and what you can do. Because when I read The Great Pain Deception, I learned that I, that I don't get too weird here, but that many times I could cure my own pain just by understanding where it was coming from and being aware, if that makes sense. I learned that from The Great Pain Deception, and I did. I had a lot of things that were bothering me that turned out to be emotional problems for my business that, uh, that was that about draining me dry. Uh, anyway... So that brave new world for me is what our brains, if you can, if your brain can create pain, chronic pain for attention, well, what could it create in the good? And I'm interested in that and what we do with our brains. And then I have an opportunity to be on a cable television show in the next few months, which we're working on that right now, and that will probably rock my world. I thought I was gonna maybe love laugh mastery, let it do its thing, and I was gonna go off and do some other things, but it looks like I'm gonna do be on that for a little bit more and wow. on that.
0: How did that come about then being on TV? I don't know. Some kind of,
1: some kind of I came up with some of these algorithms. <laughs> I don't know. She explained it to me, but I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. So I don't know. Maybe it won't come to anything, but they, I, people keep telling me it will walk my world. So I guess it will rock my world. I don't know. It won't really walk my world. My world will stay the same, but it might sp- pick up my book sales.
0: So here's the thing, Sherry, this is what I'm picking up. So you do tracking and you're planning, but yet you also seem quite free to whatever comes up and quite open-minded. Do you think this, do the two go well together? You know, I don't know, yeah. tell me.
1: Such a super good question, Vanessa. I'm so glad you asked. No one gives you the other. If I, I know that I have all these things, a master over these things, it frees you up. I remember I told you about all that creative energy you spend thinking, how do I gotta get to the gym? How do I get to the gym? Well, I get to the gym, so I don't have to think about that. It, when you have mastery over yourself, it gives you so much freedom um, to do whatever. And that's one part of it. The other part of it would be that I am my own project. Who I'm becoming, my own masterpiece, who I'm becoming is all about what I'm about. So if I have an opportunity to be on a TV show, what do I know about that? I know that I'm going to learn something from that. And I want to go do that. I just got back from a walk through Scotland. It was super amazing. It's such a great experience. You know, we walked all day long. It was just super cool. I am free to lots of things. I'm free to lots of experiences because life is really just about the experiences you have. You string them, this string of experiences. So if you can get all your ducks in a row with your finances and your health and you're educating yourself and you're taking good care of yourself, then you're so much free, so much freer. Ken always tells young people take care of your relationships, take care of your health, take care of your money, and then you can do whatever you want when you're older, or you know when you're. Your, so that's really, it's green. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it is. It's green.
0: Yeah, you said about telling young people, you know, to take care of yourself when you are young, and I think back to when I was young, I probably would have been like, yeah, whatever, and not really, not really understood it. How how do you teach your kids? Because you you've had some really interesting lives. Sort of stories and you've mm-hmm. been through you know, many ups and downs I guess what do you teach your kids and how have you encouraged them I know they're a bit older now but encourage them to take control of themselves when they're younger
1: well you don't really tell children <laughs> anything you the way you teach your children is by your own example and one of the things that motivates me that keeps me in the game is my children are learning how to be 67 by watching me be 67 they learned how to be 47 when they saw me be 47. You see what I mean? So they all, most of, almost all of them do some form of, they all do some form of this. I think all but one of them, no, see, one has got their own planner and another one, he just needs to start planning. So four of my kids use the planner. Um, Most of them write affirmations. My daughter-in-law just sucks this stuff up for me. Like she loves it so much. Um, They just watch what we do and they pick up, And I'll I'll grant you that they pick up the bits and pieces that seems to fit them more, but they're still young. I didn't, you know, it took me a while to put it all together and they're still learning. One of my big surprises was I thought I would learn all these things and then my children would just start there and then they'd learn a lot more. It turns out they have to go back and learn everything uh, from start, just like I did. So I think that that really, truly, I read this quote when I was, you should still discipline your children and all that stuff on teaching, of course, but this guy said that my father didn't tell me how to live. He just lived and let me watch him do it. Truthfully, that's the best way you teach children. They still need boundaries. I mean, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. they watch you.
0: The other thing, you've been married for definitely over 40 years. 40 um,
1: sets. 40. We we're married in 1977. So I think that's 46 years this year.
0: Yeah, something like that. I should be able to wear that out. Because I was I yeah, was born in 1950, so sure. but yeah. maths is not my strong point for sure. Um, <laughs> maybe I should get into the habit of doing it. But what is the you know people say? Oh, what's the secret to a, a long happy marriage? Do you, is, there, is there such a thing, or what what do you think's created your happy longevity in your marriage and relationship?
1: Well, remember how I told you I wanted everything in life. One of those things I wanted I did not want to be married. I did not want to have children. I really, really, really did not want to have children. But then I had one. <laughs> then I said that was pretty cool. I said I loved her so much. I I had more. I, I had five more. Same thing with marriage. It wasn't really my parent. My mom had been married five times. My dad four. Marriage did not look good to me. Um, so I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, which I need to do because I have this child, um, I'm going to have the very best marriage possible. And so I went to town on that. I read books and I I practiced the stuff, you know. And Ken really wanted that too. Maybe it rubbed off on him more probably from me than. Than he thought much about it before but we do we have just the best marriage and people mentioned all the time you guys have the best marriage." And we do we're like a it sounds so cheesy but we're often referred to as a power couple but it's not because we're powerful but because we're so we have our own projects and stuff but we just are such a united force and we believe and are working towards the same things making the world a better place in our realm and and it's i wanted a warm sexy companionable marriage and that's just what I got. That's which is a good principle here though. I set all these goals and all these ideas, every single thing that I achieved, this is not just gonna be me, this is just how it works. I got in spades, like way bigger and better than I even imagined that it would be. I got better marriage than I even imagined, more money than I even imagined, more education than I've imagined more experiences than I've imagined, a better relationship spiritually than I even imagined. All of it I've got bigger than I could have dreamed, which is a real thing everybody it's not because i'm a- anybody special anybody that does the work will have the same experience
0: and do you believe in luck because some people might say oh you just got lucky with finding ken but do you believe in luck
1: well it's like lucille ball said she said the harder i work the luckier i am <laughs> i think everybody there's setbacks and i'm not, not going to tell you everything's been perfect you know obviously you don't live you don't have six children do not have some problems you don't live be married for 46 years and have Every day is sunshine and roses, although we are not arguers or fighters and we do get along really quite well. But still, not every day is going to be perfect, right? It's the overall big picture. We've had some financial setbacks, but it's the overall big picture. Over the long run, it's all been
0: fabulous. So, Sherry, what I like to do is just ask some sort of quickfire questions. I call them quickfire, but, you know, the answers can be as long as you want them to be. So (laughs) you don't need to do one word answers. But I've already asked you, what's the one book? My next question then is, what's your morning routine? What, Because you've sort of alluded to some of it, but what, what gets you up and what gets you motivated and ready to face the day? Um, I get up and I pray first, meditate
1: second, and then I make a smoothie that's, that's a power smoothie that's healthy, <laughs> of course. <laughs> they get us going for Ken and I both because he gets up and does whatever he does during that time too, meditates and does not know what he does. He's down in his office, I'm in mine. And then I go to my office and I write my affirmations. I read my do my devotional reading, I do my memorize, I do my written affirmations. I said I did that one already. Um and then I I've got to I read for at least 10 pages minimum. And I try to read more during the day. And um then I work out. I do at least one of my workouts in the morning. I kind of tend to do one in the morning, one in the evening, but sometimes I'll do them both in the morning if I've got time so I get it off my off my so it looks like that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm working on my my body my soul and my mind (laughs) and it takes me about about two and a half hours to do all of that to do a 45 minute workout i meditate for 20 minutes 22 minutes and do all my reading and everything i also write keep book notes so the previous book i read everything that i underlined i'm writing into a journal so that's one of my daily habits so i do that Mm -hmm. too
0: it sounds like you traveled a lot you mentioned scotland and i know when we spoke the first time you traveled the world I think you said you took some time out and traveled the world what's one place you haven't been to and you would love to go to I'm
1: planning on an African safari so not on the the not on the books yet and then in one place I've not been two places I've not been is Greece and Turkey and those are places I've wanted to go for forever so in October I'm going to be do, doing those two countries yeah, I think that's probably the next those three places are my next and
0: <laughs> okay final question then who's one, one who is one person who you think epitomizes confidence person i epitomizes
1: confidence probably my husband he's got no ego right it doesn't he's really good that way like he just doesn't have any ego and he just is who he is he's in his own skin so it would probably be him that's what I, it occurs to me
0: i love that but well, listen Sherry, thanks so much for being on the show how can people find you
1: you can find me at lifemasterinfo.com. That's Sherry at lifemasterinfo.com, S-H-E-R-R-Y. And then, of course, the book's on Amazon. It's on Audible also. I read it. <laughs> I don't know that was, but I did. And it was a great experience. So I read it. It is, it is good. Everybody says it's good, so I guess it's fine. And um, just don't like to sound of your own voice, right? And there's, of course, ebook and all that. There's also a workbook on Amazon. And the planner, you can contact me. I've got a planner that goes with the program you can contact me at lifemasteringinfo.com and the website, of course, is lifemasteryinfo.com. So
0: I'm pretty easy to find. And I will make sure you're even easier by putting all those links in the show notes so people can reach out to Sherry and certainly get hold of the book. That would be amazing. All right, well, yeah. Sherry, listen, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing all your experiences and, you know, about habits and tracking. And I know I'm going to go away and probably um, have a word with myself about being much more planned i would say so thank you (laughs) you need a
1: planner i know where you can get one i know a good place i can find one (laughs) it's got tracking sheets right in it and a place to write your affirmations so
0: yeah i'm i will i'll definitely download it because it sounds like something that would be perfect for me so thank you
1: all right thank you vanessa